All right, and we are live with Friday Night <laughs> So, um, Tasha, you and I will get to that in a moment, but every time I just say a little prayer that, because I'm not really that great with technology, so it's always a little miracle when it actually works. <laughs> so, hello, everyone. Happy Friday Night Feels. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know where everyone's located, but I know in Plattsburgh, New York tonight, it's a little chilly, so I hope wherever you are, it's enjoyable, safe, and sound. Uh, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, this is Friday Night Feels. I'm licensed mental health counselor Patrick Manette, and I have a private practice in New York State. And tonight, I am so excited and honored to have Tasha Hunter with us tonight. And yay! And I told her, I already warned her, I might break out in musical song, there might be a dance, and she's just going to let me do my crazy stuff. So I appreciate that. So for those of you who don't know, Tasha is in North Carolina, and she, I was just telling her before we started that one of the things that's crazy is that you start following each other on Instagram, it's almost like professional dating. Oh, they like my stuff, they like me. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna like <laughs> And then, you know, with, with COVID, it's so hard to meet people, you know, professionals, and I think the more we connect, um, the more we can support each other during these crazy times. And one of the, you know, I, so I started following Tasha and one of the uh, things that caught my eye is when she started posting about her new book, What Children Remember. Yep. <laughs> and when did, um, and I know we're gonna, we're gonna spend the evening talking about it, but I just wanted to share a quick, like this is the, if I can share a part of it, Tasha, what really- Yeah, of course. So this is, so folks, this is the beginning. Um, I'm just going to read a, a, a cap, you know, part of it so you can see. So it's chapter one, the 11th year, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Psalm 27:10. Be ready to get a beating when I get home. This is what my mother Katrina said to me in a phone call that would change the trajectory of my life forever. While the beatings I endured were commonplace, this turning point was an act of defiance in which I learned the importance of standing up for myself. At that time, I was just a few months shy of my 18th birthday and tired of well-meaning adults asking me boring questions such as, what are you gonna do after high school? I had no idea. Seeing has every, how every fiber in my body was exhausted to the brink of collapse from the daily struggle of just trying to get by. I didn't have time to lay out a well-developed plan for the next four years of what people call adulthood. Mm -hmm. Wow. It takes my breath away. Like, yeah, you know, thank you so much um, for reading that. Wow. It's, it, and I'm so, so honored that you're here tonight because your story is amazing and it's beautiful. It's, it's powerful. And even as I read this tonight, I get choked up mm -hmm. of, of, of your story and then what, what you continue to talk about in your book. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about what inspired you to write this amazing, amazing piece. Yes. Um, first of all, you're talking about you getting choked up. I've been on a number of podcasts and, and live shows. No one has purchased my book and read a portion of it during our time together, during oh, the wow. interview. And so that 
touches my heart more than you know. Okay. Uh -huh. So Patrick, you're just my new brother. Just, oh, yay. Yeah. So <laughs> just accept that you now have a new sibling. Just, I love this. Okay. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I am your new sibling. Uh, so I published my book in March of this year. And what inspired me to write my story is I grew up in a kind of a religious background. My entire family, they were church going Southern folk. Okay. And I didn't hear in my upbringing, anything about trauma. Wow. Had not heard the word trauma talked about in church. Had not heard about abuse talked about in church. Okay. And I wanted a book that could talk about, that would really give readers a really honest, vulnerable, raw depiction of what trauma looks like and how it impacts three types of relationships. The relationship that I had with myself, my body, <laughs> mm -hmm. how the trauma, the abuse impacted my relationships with other people, ro both romantically and platonic relationships. And then how the trauma impacted my relationship with God. Right. And out of all the books that I read, especially if there was anything, you know, if there was any kind of talk of God, if it was a Christian book or a Christian author, it was heavy on scripture, mm -hmm. heavy on God, but really light on exactly how they felt and what they experienced, mm -hmm. the truth. Mm hmm. And how they heal with it or how they live with it. Yes, the truth about yes, it. Yes, yes. And I didn't want a book that glossed over my experience. I didn't want a book that kind of hijacked the reality and then replaced it with life is beautiful. It's wonderful. Everything's fine. God saved me. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. Yes. <laughs> so, so I wanted an honest book for those of us who live in shame and secrecy of our childhood experiences. Well, and that was one of the things actually when I was reading it, uh, I was, we, we kind of had conversations in my head, <laughs> even though okay. we hadn't met yet. Yeah. But I would, that shame piece, I said, this is, this is revolutionary because yeah. the whole, you know, one of the main components of what keep people in the cycle is that secrecy. We have oh, to yeah. protect ourselves, that shame, and we have to protect the family. And you're like blowing it out. Like this shit's coming out to be cleared and healed. Yeah. And we're yeah. going to fight because you deserve more. That's like yeah. what I was, I could feel such a strength in your words of like, when, you, when you're reading this book and please, if you haven't got this book, <laughs> go get it tonight, <laughs> go order it, get it for Christmas. Um, because it will move you. It, it's moving me. It's helping me as a, as a person as a clinician, mm -hmm. and I, I, I think your goal, like you're meeting it. Yeah, I am. Um, of changing, changing it. You have just really touched my heart with all of that. I, you know, when I was writing my book, I kept thinking, should I put this in there? Should I, should I, should I put that? But I kept envisioning these imaginary people who 
just like me, lived in shame of things that we didn't even cause. Mm-hmm. Not my fault. I, you know, I talk about experiencing physical abuse. I talk about experiencing sexual abuse, being being the survivor of physical abuse, sexual abuse, and parental abandonment. Yes. I also discuss how all of that stuff led me to attempt suicide. Wow. And nobody's talking about in what circle can we really talk about yeah you know 20 years ago i tried to kill myself yeah right past the croissants i mean right past the freaking (laughs) croissants well maybe at our family dinner now it will (laughs) yeah by the way (laughs) yeah after after the how's the weather conversation yeah and so there's no way to really talk about that and and so I wanted to put it, I said, if, if I'm only, if this is the only book I ever write, I'm putting it all in there. Yes. And I needed readers as they were reading to really feel how I felt in my body. Yes. Yes. And, and, and my thoughts and, and how it impacted again, my relationships with me and others and with God. Right. Now, I, lo- I just love faith. that. Yeah. Questioning my faith. Yes. Um, questioning my purpose. Do I even, am I even supposed to be here if, if my family of origin does not love me and does not, and is not protecting me? Right. Am I really meant to be here? Right. Well, obviously I am. <laughs> Thank God for that. Yes. Yes. So yeah. I, I wanted to talk about all of that and hopefully help anybody out there that's struggling right and it's funny that you mentioned like you know the what was behind your mind you know the the creative piece of that of of making a decision because as I was preparing for tonight I I was I taught in university for almost 10 years you know different classes you know anything from psychology to gender and women's studies to to you know all of that and you know sometimes you inherit a class so you inherit the textbooks and sometimes you inherit some pretty crappy textbooks and this is a book that I would want in any one of my classes wow. because it's real. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, especially in the counseling fields, you, you want the theory, you want the application, but you want the truth. You want to know what is it that clients go through? Like, how do you, how do you read this? How do you hear it? How do you digest it? And then as clinicians, how do we therapeutically support a person going through their healing, yeah, their recovery. That's it. That's it. And and as you have probably already read, I start from the very beginning, elementary school. Yes. What does anxiety and depression look like in a kid? As you know, as a clinician, most children they get diagnosed with ADHD. They get diagnosed with oppositional defiant disorder when a lot of times it's PTSD, they, they, they get oh, oppositional up. defiance. That one pisses me off. M- me as well. <laughs> like, yes. Oh, you beat him and you're upset that he's beating <laughs> other kids like, or she, right. like, no, yeah. no connection. Right. And so instead of looking at, you know, well, what is their ACEs score? What have they experienced in their life that may be impacting their current day-to-day reality and their ability to feel safe. Because while you're teaching English, 
I'm thinking about what it's going to be like when I get home and what I've got to face when I get home. Yes. So I can't concentrate on this. So if I zone out or if I'm asleep in class, maybe sleeping is a way that my body's protecting itself. My nervous system just shuts down. Mm-hmm. From you all don't the have stress. to fight for an right. hour or two. You don't have to fight. Right. And so, uh, so readers get, again, a really raw perspective of from childhood into adulthood, what PTSD looked like. Um, and then, of course, I was in the Air Force. I was in the Air Force for 10 years. And well, there's no time to deal with PTSD, childhood trauma, because you're yes. focused on the mission. Yes. Oh my and that's important. Yes. And so, so I had to kind of shove my trauma in the closet. It, it, it doesn't exist. We're not dealing with this because I've got, right. I've got to work. I've got to pretend to be okay. But I wasn't okay. I was suffering. Right. right. And, and then I grew up in a family where people said, well, what happens in this house stays in this house. Yes, that's secret. Protect your family. Nothing goes out. Yeah. But if you're not doing anything crazy, stupid or abusive, why are you worried about me telling somebody? Yeah, right. But as a little kid, your survival yeah. is yeah. based on your your primary caregivers or whoever that's it might it. be of, you know, you don't you don't cross family. You're absolutely, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. So no, no level of safety there. Right. And we, we do have a couple comments if I can just share them with you. Um, Catherine is saying that this is so important. So it's, I'm glad that she's with us. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Um, And Colby is, is asking a question to you specifically. How do you think COVID has impacted the way we heal with trauma and what can we do to continue or begin healing processes with the absence of human connection outside the home. I am very interested in your book. Oh, thank you. His name is Kobe. Uh, I can't. Kobe, yes, I can't tell who. I can't tell. Okay, that's an excellent question. So, from my perspective, uh, what this whole COVID nineteen this pandemic has done is literally because we can't. We can't. There's no, no contact, no really physical contact, except for the people that aren't taking it seriously and, and they're socializing and doing things. But most people are staying to themselves. And what it's done is it's forced children and it's forced partners to remain in the home with their abuser. Mm-hmm. Because there's an, in, I don't know in North Carolina, but I know what mm-hmm. I'm hearing is the increase of child abuse is going yes. through the roof. Since COVID so has happened. the increase of child abuse. And so there's you. So because of the, the pandemic, it's it's limited. The person, the victim's ability to to go to a safe place to report to a safe person. <clears throat> there's no teachers. There's no co-workers um, to report things to. Right. Right. Uh, even online. um I've even called, uh, there's, you know, just people that are grieving and, and different things and that need additional support where there were in-person support groups. Not everybody is hosting online support groups or, or ways to communicate in that way. And so it's decreased uh, resources for people mm-hmm. and increased the occurrences of abuse um, in homes. And so- and- 
Yeah, and that's that's really interesting what you're saying too about you know when with your experiences of, you know sometimes going to school that's when you shut down and that's been you know it's it's hard because you hear where school is the source of torment for some children you know bullying and everything but for a lot of students it's where they can get a meal it's where yes. they can be safe it's where they can be warm uh, and that's been taken away with COVID for a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of schools. It has. Um... And so online, what I've noticed is online engagement has definitely increased. Mm -hmm. Uh, Facebook uh, is an early adapter of, you know, being together and forming groups online. So I would recommend anybody out there. There are so many types of groups for um, people that are having similar experiences. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Although you can't meet in person, you can't talk to people in person, join some Facebook groups, join online groups, uh, reach out to your local mental health um, offices, uh, private practice offices, and see what resources are available where you can be in contact with people online. Mm -hmm. I know that NAMI, the National Alliance of Mental Illness, is a great resource that I refer to people. Even if you don't have one in that area, their website, it's a national organization, it's a non-for-profit, it's amazing, and it can connect you. So even if there's not one in your town, it can connect you. And sometimes just, you know, even talking to someone on the phone that's outside of your circle, that can just validate your feelings. Absolutely. Uh, and that's what most people need is, you, you know, when you're when you're dealing with all kinds of struggles, especially as it relates to childhood trauma, you're really asking the people around you, do you hear me? Do you see me? Do you understand me? Mm-hmm. Like I'm right here. <laughs> yes. Can you validate what I'm going through? Can you show up in a real way? And so those exactly groups, can you be genuine? Groups, can you be genuine? Yes. So uh, there's all kinds of resources for that where people will listen and and be there for you. So that was an excellent question. Yeah, thank you, Colby, and thank you, Catherine. And, and if anyone else has any questions, please just put them in the chat, um, and I'll do my best to answer them. You know how I am with technology, but I have learned in almost a year of doing this, oh, but yeah. I still get excited, so that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so absolutely. tell me more, uh, you know, for people who aren't reading it, like, tell me more about the book, like, the you, your depiction of the characters is crystal clear, like, it's almost, I don't want to sound nerdy, but it, it's, it's one of those things, like, when you're watching a movie, and you're like, what's, you know, what's going to happen next, it's like, oh my god, this character, I can feel it, I can see it, I can, you know, when you're talking about Mama, Mm-hmm. And you're talking yes. about Katrina. I just like I can just visualize them, and I can feel you. Your your words are so crystal clear and eloquent. Thank you. Of creating this really beautiful artistic depiction of who you're you're talking about in the book. Yeah, you know, and and that's exactly what I was going for uh, in writing it. Um, again, I I read. I don't know if you've heard of the author, Lydia Yuknovich. No. Oh, she's amazing, Patrick. She has a book, <sighs> Lydia Yuknovich. Okay. And her, her book, her memoir is called The Chronology of Water. Wow. And I also read Roxanne Gay's book, Hunger, her okay. memoir. Both. You, again, in, in speaking about the body, when you're reading both of their books, you feel 
feel <laughs> what they're what they're going through. You feel it in your own body. And so I wanted the same for my book. We're not we're not sugarcoating anything. We're not glossing over details. You're getting it all. Mm-hmm. You're getting it all. If this is the only book that I'm ever writing, which it's not. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, it's gonna put a little plug. Yeah. Like, you mean uh, your first one? Yeah. <laughs> Many so, more to come. <laughs> right. But I thought I'm putting it all out there. Um, and I talk about sex. I talk about uh how trauma caused me to go through this period of hypersexuality, mm-hmm. looking for love, looking for validation, looking for someone to help me feel sane, to help me feel safe. And that you matter. And that I matter. And then also, is it okay to talk about sex and talk about sometimes the reason why we offer our bodies? It's because if you've experienced sexual abuse and and physical abuse, it's like, well, I would rather give my body away than to have somebody take from me. Yes. So I, I'll give it to you so that you don't take it. Right. And then, um, and then because my body didn't feel safe, I, I questioned my sexuality and, and I felt safer with women mm-hmm. because it was a male. It was my brother who had sexually abused me. And so I talk about all of that and there's no shame whatsoever um, I think it's important to talk about sex. I think, you know, and, and so it was important for me to put all of that in there to help others who, who may have entered same sex relationships from an origin of being abused, mm-hmm. that it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. Right. Whether you're in a, you know, whatever kind of relationship you're in being heterosexual is not like the, um, it's not the, what am I trying to say? the norm and then mm-hmm. anything else is, is abnormal. Right. 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 <laughs> and so, uh, whoever you're with, whoever you love, it's absolutely beautiful, wonderful, and, and, and special and it's okay. And whoever you feel safe with. And whoever, and that's it. Whoever you feel safe with and yes. helps you to feel sane and yes. valued. Yes. Um, that's a big deal. That is a, a huge deal. And for me, for a very, very, very long time, I w- was with women because they helped me to feel the way that I needed to feel, right. you know, during that time in my life. Um, and so I'm in a hetero relationship right now, but for a while, I just, you know, it was whoever made me feel safe. Mm-hmm. And I think that's okay to talk about that. I have no shame towards that at all. I love who I love. Right. Yeah. I love this. like I have to say when I started Friday Night Feels in March I never anticipated encountering like the beautiful people that come on and just like how it not only changes me but like the people who watch this or listen to it after and it's just it's always so inspiring for me Um, yeah it's um you just never know who you're gonna meet I was just telling somebody Patrick I so I had an Instagram account for a really long time and I didn't really do anything with it. And then I opened my private practice. And of course, when you open your private practice, it's like, you got to market, you got to be out there. You got to yes. let people know. Yes. And I'm like, oh God, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> what am I going to do with this social media site? But through social media, I get to meet you. 
Yay! Yeah. <laughs> and I get to meet other people. And as you know, I, sh- you know, I share some really vulnerable things on my social media page. Yes. And, and then I hear from people and they're like, oh, I, you know, this resonates with me. And, and then it helps me to not feel so alone and things that I'm experiencing or feeling. Right. And so we're all able to be there for each other in that way. Which by the way, so I'm just letting for people who are on Instagram, it's hers is Tasha Hunter, LCS, LCSW. That's um, where I live. And- Okay, so I'm just, I might have a quote or two from your Instagram from your book. So I might just share it right now because I can. So this is a quote from our own Tasha Hunter of value yourself enough to know that your abusers or anyone complicit in acts committed against you do not get to silence, define, or control you. Yes. Yes. And that is like gospel truth right um, that's it that's it that secrecy uh, that silence that uh you know th- the the psychological manipulation of if you talk you will be in danger or yeah. someone you love will be threatened right or you know abusers typically say well nobody's going to believe you yes um or they they say again you, you know this is we don't talk about this outside of this house you know so so you have to keep that here right um and there's all kinds of ways in which families communities religious institutions schools maintain secrecy and protect the abusers yes there's all kinds of ways and i have yet to meet a single person who has not who has been abused and has not also dealt with or currently living with the shame from that abuse yes and feeling like well who do i talk to about this who would believe me who would understand right and so i have to put stuff out there to say it's your story it's your experience and your abusers don't get to dictate whether you speak out or not yes no matter who it is right and, you know, um, so for those who know me, I'm trained in EMDR and that, you know, is a trauma informed approach. And we focus a lot on cognitions and one, you know, a lot of those cognitions of I, I deserve this or I'm not good enough or I'm worthy. I'm unworthy of love or I'm a piece of shit or I should have known better. And even getting that shit out from your soul mm-hmm. is freeing and powerful. And then you can just let it let it out and then all of a sudden your whole system can just breathe a little bit because that toxicity holds people in that shame of abuse in that cycle of abuse yeah all of that yeah all of that all day long i work with people who everything you just said i'm not good enough no one wants me why am i even living you know i'm not worthy well, hold on. Well, where, where does that thought process come in? If I tell somebody, you know, what's going on, um, n- nobody wants to hear from me. Right. Where do you get that from? Oh, well, when I was this age, uh, this thing happened and it was totally invalidating or I was abandoned or, or this thing happened and no one, everybody alienated me. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I work with people who were holding me in things for 40 years. Yes. Yes. Right. And trying to dismantle that 
it's, ama it's an amazing process to see, you know, and to, to be able to hold space for my clients who sit right in front of me sharing their stories. Yes. You know, sometimes for the first time mm -hmm. and being able to say, yes, absolutely, you're important. Absolutely, you're supposed to be here. The universe knows you're here. You're mm -hmm. supposed to be here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so please keep living, please. Uh, you know, when I attempted suicide, I was 21 years old. I had not even begun to live my life at 21. Right, right. Well, now I'm 41, 41 years old. And it's, it's still like now I just want to live forever. But at 21, I carried everything that you just said, this cognition, this, I'm unworthy. Mm -hmm. I don't matter to anybody. Right. And it was based off of how I had been treated from my family of origin. Yes. What I had kind of learned from them. Yes. Or adopted from them, from things right. said and done to me. And those, those bonds, those attachments can be amazing and wonderful and powerful, and they can be the most destructive. Yes, absolutely. It, you know, absolutely. it really, it, it depends on the, the system of the family of just, you know, even, even when there's a health, a overall healthy, safe family, but they still have like that guilt or that shame. Mm -hmm. I still work with a lot of adults of like, you don't owe them anything. Like if you're doing something out of, you know, I, I mean, uh, out of obligation, that's not love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just want to let you know that Colby checked in with us and he's, and they said, thank you for your answer. The pandemic has certainly illuminated the holes in our mental health systems. Thanks again. Thank you, Colby. I appreciate your question. And then Catherine is sharing the honesty and rawness is really needed to shine the light into the darkness of trauma. Thank you for your vulnerability and truth. Thank you, Catherine. Yeah. Love that. Some amazing people tonight joining us. It is. It is. Absolutely. And, you know, it, you know, going back to that family thing, it's like when you were writing this, did you, were you afraid of family attacking you? I mean, that was my mind. I'm just like, I wonder if. Kind of. I mean, um, at the time, so I've been estranged from the majority of my family for the past 20 plus years. And I mean, I have a new family now. So the two things, the two topics that I worried most about, actually three, one, my attempted suicide. Mm -hmm. What are they going to think about me? Two, my sexuality, because in some circles, in some communities, heterosexuality is the default. Yes. And if you're anything other than heterosexual, then that's a problem for yes. some reason. Um, so I worried about how people would view me if they knew that, that I had loved women, right. that I had been in relationships with women. What are they going to say, especially uh, family and friends who are Christians and who do not support same-sex unions, same-sex mm -hmm. relationships? I worried a lot about that. And then I also worried about, because of trauma, there was a really long time where I had really toxic relationship habits mm -hmm. 
Mm, where I couldn't trust people, where I would end relationships prematurely because I was like, oh, you know, this doesn't work out. And I would find some reason to end, you know, the friendship. And, and so I worried, well, what are, what are my friends who I may have ghosted or the thing, you know, the relationship didn't work out? What are they going to say? And then I thought about things and I said, you know, this is my story mm-hmm. and I'm not going to die with my story. Right. And if it helps someone else to see, oh, wow, it's not just me. Yes. They're not alone. They're not alone in fearing having a broken heart. They're not alone in fearing, you know, can I trust this other person? Sure. If you've ever been traumatized in any kind of way, it impacts your ability to trust people. Yes. And I, I love how you're also bringing up friendships because we don't really, we don't talk about that. You know, normally it's like romantic, but the, the platonic friendships or coworker is a whole other dynamic of trauma Mm -hmm. and not being able to trust people, not being able to hang out, to communicate, to deal with conflict of any way. It's a whole other dimension. What have your, what have your experiences been like in those areas? So there were several because of early childhood trauma I went into relationships in a variety of ways one expecting people to love me and treat me in the way that I loved and treated them mm-hmm. and I loved hard I would meet people and just automatically without even thinking become really bonded to them and I didn't understand well they they kind of need to earn my trust Mm -hmm. and then I also went into relationships trying to fix (laughs) if they have a problem if they're going through something I'm the person that needs to help I'm I've got to to help them through their situation. I've got to fix whatever is going on in their life. Yes. How toxic, right? And and it just I just wanted them to be better, wanted to help them if they were in a domestic, you know, a relationship where there was domestic violence or if they were hurting, if they were sick, if they were anything, any kind of issue, I wanted to fix it for them, make it all better, be their savior. Mm. Because well, obviously, no one was out was for a, you. Right. So let me be the person that I needed for so long. But they didn't need that. They just needed a friend. Right. And and then I would trust I would trust people, like I said, just prematurely without them earning my trust. And then other relationships I didn't trust at all. And I'm like, uh, you know, I don't know about this. And so there was just all of these toxic relationship habits with platonic friends. And none of us ever talk about the fact that when you lose a friend, there is a whole ugly grieving process that happens Mm -hmm. when you lose a friend that you really love and thought, oh, this person is really cool. And all of a sudden they're not in my life anymore. And what do I do with that? Right. And sometimes when you don't know why. Yeah. And you don't know. Yeah. And a lot of times I didn't know why. Why did they walk away? Uh, I talk about in my book, there were a couple of friends that I had disclosed uh, 
you know, my previous relationship history, my same sex relationships. And for just maybe coincidence, um, almost immediately after that, we were not friends anymore. And I don't know what to attribute that to. It probably had nothing to do with with my earlier conversation or or disclosure. But I just kind of noted that because I didn't know, because there was no communication, it left me crafting my own story, my own narrative, and just wondering what happened. Did I make a mistake by trusting this person with something that was really close to my heart that had been a secret or not, not you know, any, so I, I don't know. I just created these stories and while it would have been nice to have known, oh, we, well, we just lost contact. Life happened. We went in separate ways, but I didn't have that information. No. No. And so it shatters your trust again. It shattered my trust every time. Right. And then something must be wrong with me. Something must be. That's where my mind would go. And so, so I talk in the book about like, it's like I wore a sign on my head, like wanted, you know, I wanted a mommy. I wanted friends. I wanted close relationships. I didn't know how to, how, how, how do I do that? There was so much hurt, you know, from right. so many different ways. So, right. you know, I, and here's the other thing, Patrick, I grew up experiencing trauma, but as an adult, I didn't know how to create healthy relationships. Mm, right. Yeah. So we become our worst nightmare. Yeah. And that's one of the things when I'm working with people of, I remember having this conversation (laughs) where I said, all right, I need you to take a breath. It's okay that you're like your mom and dad. (laughs) And they're like, don't you insult me. You know, not every, obviously I'm just joking, but you know, if we don't acknowledge where we come from, if we don't acknowledge, this is what I learned. We can't learn anything new. Yeah. It's like trying to, you know, it's like being really full and trying to stuff more food down there. Like you got to get it out. You got to get that out of your system. You got to break the cycle, but you can't do that if you haven't identified it. Right. And I love that, that simple, but old saying the truth will set you free. It did. Writing what children remember. It's like it liberated me. I found my voice after publishing because I'm like, I'm done with this shame stuff, you know? I'm, I'm done with it. Right. I'm done with the secrecy. I'm done with fearing another person's judgment. They don't, they don't get to, to tell me how to live my life. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna feel bad for any part of my life and my process for getting to where I am today. Right. If I had had any other journey, I wouldn't be me. Right. So I'm not going to allow my story to kind of hold me hostage. And so now, I think after after I published for a while, I was stuck on the word liberate. And I said, I think, you know, I just believed it's my it's my my job, my purpose, my life's purpose to liberate others from that shame. I still believe that. Yeah, uh, yeah. And if you read the book, <laughs> which you should, for people who are listening yeah. or watching, it it. You know, and that, you know, I said jokingly, you know, when you're on Instagram, it's kind of like that dating, but, you know, you do get to know people a little bit on Instagram, you know, like you were asking me, it's like, hey, you, are you cooking a lot or what, you know, and mm-hmm. you, you build kind of a connection, especially, you know, with COVID, 
And so, you know, you're, you're reading the book, but then I like seeing your posts, like you're a real person. Yeah. And I, I don't, you know, I hope that I'm expressing myself correctly of sometimes when you read a book, it's like, we can detach it, you know, like, oh, this isn't real. This is just a story. But then when it's like, wait a minute, she's just posted about this. Like, this is real. (laughs) This is, this is happening. Like I can talk to her about this. Like it, I think it shatters our, um, our protection, our privilege, like, oh, I can't hide from this anymore. Like, this is real. This is happening. And, you know, I got to figure out what that means to me. Yeah, it's, it. I love what you just said. So, so people read my book and sometimes they think, oh, she's, everything's good now. It's, there was, she's still alive. Everything's good She's a therapist now. No, (laughs) because I'm a human, not a robot. Yes. 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 So, so because I'm human, I have complex emotions and, and I'm able to sometimes when clients, when I'm with my clients, which I actually specialize in the very thing that I, that I went through childhood trauma. Yes. And without sharing with them my entire story, sometimes when they're talking about their own experiences, I'll just kind of say, if it's appropriate during the session, I'll, I might say, wow, that really resonates with me. Or, or there's a part of me that is really feeling like what you're, what you're saying right now. Like, I get it. I've been through that, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, you have? Yes. Yes. So they understand. And I don't want anybody sitting in front of me thinking that I've just got it all figured out. I know, I know. Nope. Because I'm human and I'm going to be figuring it out until the day I die. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be healing until the day I die. And I believe that there are just certain things in life that you just, that you may never heal from. It, It may always hurt to some degree. Right. And that's okay. Yeah. That's all right. It's, um, a, it's a wound. It's part of your, you know, if you look at it like we're a mosaic or a quilt. Yeah. It's part of our story. That's it. It's part of my story. And and so however I've gotten from that point A to where I'm at now, it's all good. It was all a part of my process. I made a lot of mistakes, made a lot of bad decisions. Right. But then I come out on the other end. And, and is it okay for me to be vulnerable enough to share my experience with somebody else that might have gone through the same thing? Mm-hmm. Maybe they're estranged from their family as well. They had to do it for their own safety, for their own survival. Yes. And, you know, I, I was thinking when you were talking about it a little while ago, you know, like PTSD and the different symptoms. It's interesting because I, I don't know what your experiences are, but it, in my practice, sometimes I'll see people will come in with diagnosis, diagnoses from other people and they, they think they're crazy, you know, like, oh, you know, I, I should get over this. I should do that. You know, anxiety, depression. And I, I find that when we have the conversation about anger, yeah, oh, it's life changing of you sure as hell can be pissed about this. You can be angry. You can be angry at yourself. You can be angry at me for talking about it. But you can be angry at the people who did this and who didn't keep you safe. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and then, I mean, talk about liberating. It's like, oh my God, I don't have to hold on to this anymore. Like, it's okay that I'm pissed off. Absolutely. Oftentimes I will say when my clients are, you know, that 
they say, well, I know this is silly and I shouldn't have reacted that way. And I'm like, no, I would have reacted the same way. I say that too. And they look at me like, I probably would have punched them. Like, who is like, yeah, it's validating. (laughs) We all need to be validated in what we're feeling. Yes. And so I, so, so when they come to me, they're getting a real person and I'm not going to make them feel bad for any emotion that they are feeling. Right. Just not going to happen. I love this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I just wanted to share, Colby checked in with us again and said, um, I've gone through emotional and sexual trauma and to hear you talk about your experience is just so powerful to me. I connect with you from trust to love. I thought these were just the feelings I was having and I appreciate you. <sighs> Thank Colby. you, Colby. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, your words mean a lot to me like i could totally get emotional just yeah just like you just want to like hug <laughs> like yeah i'm a hugger yeah i'm a hugger yeah, me too appropriately me too. therapeutic <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but you hear that pain and you know just even that word trust because you know what i was saying a few minutes ago that trust is shattered it's also internally that you know as the survivor the trust that you can't trust yourself anymore if you ever could. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's such a violation of the sacredness. And what's interesting is um, I've had this conversation recently about using the word safe in therapy and how really you have to be careful because most, as you're talking about with your brother and your experiences, is it was safe. It was mm-hmm. someone you know. Mm-hmm. There, there is that element of familiarity And so when you're in therapy and you're saying, oh, I want you to feel safe. It's like, I don't even know what that means anymore. What is that? Yeah. 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 And and sometimes clients will, will say, well, you know, I've, I've never told anybody about, you know, this thing that happened and, and I don't know if I can talk about it. I say, look, (laughs) you've been through a lot and you're just meeting me. Yes. So you're not supposed to trust me at our first meeting or our second meeting. It takes time yes. to develop that trust. And, and you've got to see if, you know, you, you've got to kind of test me out and watch me and kind of figure out if our energies match and, and yes. can you trust me? So, right. so it takes time and I'm willing to do, you know, to spend that time with you so that we can develop that. Right. And, and so I understand if you've got parts that are like, nope, we're not talking about <laughs> nope. it. Nope. Not going to mention plan. that. <laughs> yeah. Not going to mention down. that. And so, um, so I get that. And, and also when, you know, when there's a violation, like for me, I was eight years old. My brother was 12. Uh, I, I don't know a lot about him. We, again, I've been estranged yeah. from my family, but what I can say is that what it did to me is I'm eight years old, had no idea about my body, about my vagina, or, or that my body could be used to pleasure another person. And all of a sudden, I'm acutely aware, like, oh, whoa. Mm-hmm. And then I'm questioning every person I'm around. Are they going to do the same thing to me? Am I that safe around It's been them? exhausting on your little system. Right. So right. I grow up with all of this and then expecting, like, Oh, well, that happened. So that must be what they all want. Yes. They just want my body. Yes. And so, and not being able to trust my own intuition. Right. Because I thought I could trust him. I thought I could trust my mother. 
but it was my mother who first told me she wished I were dead and that she would have aborted me. Oh my God. That's my mother. She carried me in her womb. Right. She's the reason I live today. She, she, she brought me into the world, but she was the first person to one abandon me and to tell me that I shouldn't have been born. Wow. So when you think about people that commit suicide, I can't speak for everybody. I can only right. speak for myself. But what it did is it fostered that belief, that that early belief that I'm not supposed to be here. Yes. Because my mother told me I'm not supposed to be here. Right. I should have aborted you. I should have killed you when I had the chance. And she intentionally used the word kill. Oh, my God. So I grew up and then at by 21, I'm thinking I should just kill myself. Yes. And so, you know, and, and at 10 years old, I'm walking to the bus stop in the mornings. I leave my home. I'm walking to the bus stop at 10 and saying to God, God, please bring me to heaven. Mm. Please bring me to heaven. I, I don't want to deal with this anymore because I was very, I felt very unloved. I was unloved. I didn't have anybody in close proximity to protect me. And so at 21, I thought, I thought, okay, you, you're not going to bring me to heaven. Well, I'm going to get out of here some kind of a way because I'm not supposed to be here. Right. But that thought, and we never, you know, I don't know. I just really, it took a while for me to kind of connect the dots. Oh, that's why I'm believing that I shouldn't be here. Right, right. She told me that. Yeah. And I believed it. And so. Because she had that power. She had that power. Yes. And so what children remember, we, you know, there's a chapter where I write about, we remember the things that were said. We re- remember the things that aren't said. We remember the people that are there mm-hmm. and the people who are not there, who are for some reason absent in our experiences or quiet. And Complacent, so, yeah, like yeah, right, right. So, so uh, you know, in some kind of way, there's complicity there. There were so many family members that told me, oh, your mom's crazy or she's this or that, or she, she had these issues, but why didn't you protect me? Yes. Why didn't you step in? Right. Why didn't you step in if right. you knew this? And so anyhow, I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling. So No, you're not. I love, <laughs> oh my God. I could go for hours. You know, it, the there were two pieces that I wanted to just throw out and, and get your opinion on is one is, you know, you know, you're talking about very specific types of abuse I think sometimes when when I'm working with clients, there's that comparison. And I don't know if you've seen that. It's like, well, I wasn't sexually, I was never yes. it. I was never yes. this or that. But, oh my God, there's this whole psychological damage. There's this whole uh, um, abandonment. Neglect. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, you know, like, what are your experiences of like trying to help clients validate? It's like, it, it's not a competition. It's all shit. It's all shit. Yes. (laughs) All of it. Yes. And all of it is traumatic. All of it. So it doesn't matter. Maybe you grew up in a home and you had a two-parent home and you were not sexually violated, but maybe one parent abandoned you emotionally, physically, was not there to take care of you. Maybe you lived in a home with a lot of family members, grandparents and cousins and da-da-da-da-da, but no one told each other that they loved each other. Right. Right. They couldn't say the words. I love you. Yes. 
um, whatever your trauma is, whatever, it's all like, there's no hierarchy of, well, this is worse than this. No, 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 no. Your experience may, may be just as detrimental as, as mine. Yeah. There, so there's, there's no this. Uh, I'll see if I can send it to you, but there's this amazing TED talk where this woman is talking about coming out as a lesbian and, and she's saying, we're all in closets. My yes. heart, my heart is my heart. Your heart is your heart. Let's just support each other in all of this. And it's send that to me. Yeah, <laughs> I will. Oh, don't worry. You'll be good. Yes. I hope you come back to Friday Night Feel. You're part of the Friday Night Feels clan now. Your family. I told you we're siblings at this point. So of course. And I, I have... One other era, you know, uh, before we run out of time is how do you fit in a relationship with God now? Because in your book, every chapter has, a, um, is it a psalm? Uh, every, from the all, well, not every chapter, but there are a lot of chapters where I talk about God in some kind of a way. Okay. And so here's my relationship with God. We're on the same page. <laughs> There's, I just believe it's my belief that, that God didn't cause the things that were going on with me. They happened. Right. God was not included in that plan. Like, okay, I'm going to make sure that Tasha lives through complete hell. It happened without, without God's permission. That's my belief, but that God and I are on the same page and that God accepts and approves of all parts of who I am today. Right. And have been. And have been. So I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be better. I don't have to try harder. I, I, I don't have to be a do-gooder. I'm good. Right. Sometimes I refer to God as just God. Sometimes it's God is a woman. And sometimes she's a black woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it just depends. <laughs> It just depends on the day, but, yeah. but, but, but God is in my opinion, bigger than what our ideas in, our, because we all create these images in our head of, of whatever God is, the God of the trees, the sun, the moon, the wind, um, of all creation. I believe that God approves of me and I don't have to try to be anything different than who I am. I don't know if that answers your question. Totally. I love it. It's yeah. so beautiful and genuine and and real. And I, I think, you know, in my own experiences, you know, I'm just thinking of like when I was going through a hard time when I was younger and, you know, I grew up Catholic. So a lot of it, it inadvertently, you know, is like suppress. Like, you know, it, it wasn't anything of like, oh, let's get it out. It was just like, you know, praying. I've learned that praying, you had to be specific of what you're asking for. And, you know, it's just like, oh, just fix it. It's like, well, what do you want to fix, right? And I remember sometime I was going through a depression and I was having a conversation about spirituality and anger with God. And like, why would God allow this to happen or whatever, you know, like those type of conversations. And someone said, well, if you believe God is this unconditional loving parent, Mm -hmm. God can handle your anger. Throw this (laughs) stress ball at you. And so I got pissed and I I lost my shit. And I was like, all right, let's go. You and me. Yes. That's it. (laughs) That was a part of my journey is coming to the understanding that if God is God and God can't be, be thinking like I think, because I'm a mess. (laughs) 
So if I'm going to believe in some higher, higher power, some deity, yeah, I don't want a God that thinks in the same way that I think. Right. And God can handle my doubt. God can handle my F-bombs. God can handle, you know, my back and forth. Are you even real? If you're real, where are you at? Why aren't you coming down here? Do you see this shit show? Why aren't you doing? (laughs) God can handle all of that. Yes. Yes. That is my belief. So, so, you know, and it helps me to believe that there's got to be something better. But at the end of the day, I've written what children remember. I make it my point to speak out about um, trauma anywhere that I can. I make it my priority to provide safe places for all people. You know, my practice obviously is LGBTQ plus affirming. Love it. Obviously. Come on now. And you're doing, hey, and you're doing, (laughs) um, just so if people want to get a hold of you, um, is Instagram and then also you you do virtual and limited in office with it. I know it's just complicated. I do, yeah, I do limited in office. I do virtual. Uh, but if people just want to connect and see what I'm talking about, because I'm always talking about something, uh, find me on Instagram because that is where I post a lot of these kinds of talks, these kinds of discussions, um, any podcast that I do. Also, I've got a podcast coming out in February. Yay! So, yeah, and it's called When We Speak. And so every person that will be appearing on my podcast will be talking about something hard that they survive, whatever it is. And then telling listeners, this is how I got through it. That's beautiful. Yeah. That, that's so inspirational and amazing and loving. And before we end tonight, so I'm, I'm going to show you, I'm going to share with you another one of your quotes. Dear survivor, you don't need to be different to be loved. You don't have to be quiet to be accepted. You don't have to try harder to make others happy. You don't have to forgive to be worthy. Oh, I love my writing. Yes. I, <laughs> I do too. All right, everyone. So for, you know, thank you everyone for coming for Friday Night Feels and the people who are going to be watching it. And remember <clears throat> that Tasha's book, What Children Remember, please, please go out and read it. I think, you know, if you've experienced abuse, neglect or trauma, someone you've known or if you don't know anything about it and you just, you know, you, you're not really sure, it's it's an amazing read. And Tasha, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thanks. It's been an honor. And I hope you come back to Friday Night Feels soon. I'm definitely coming back anytime. I love it here. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. This is the coolest ever. Yay. Thank well, you. And I hope you have a wonderful holiday and a happy new year. You as well. All right. I'll talk to you everyone soon. Take care.